You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Zero Dark Dirty. Can I be honest with you? I am bad news. I'm not your friend. I'm not going to help you. I'm going to break you. Any questions? I want to make something absolutely clear. If you thought there was some working group coming to the rescue, I want you to know that you're wrong. This is it. There's nobody else hidden away on some other floor. There is just us. And we are failing. You really believe this story? Osama bin Laden? Yeah. What part convinced you? Her confidence. If you're right, the whole world's gonna win in on this. You will never find him. He is one of the disappeared ones. Alright everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Zero Dark Dirty, and the story is as follows. Following the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001, Osama bin Laden becomes one of the most wanted men on the planet. The worldwide manhunt for the terrorist leader occupies the resources and attention of two U.S. presidential administrations. Ultimately, it is the work of a dedicated female operative that proves instrumental in finally locating bin Laden. On May 11, 2011, Navy SEALs launch a nighttime strike killing bin Laden in his compound in Pakistan. The film is starring Jessica Chastain, Jason Clark, Joel Egerton, Jennifer Ellie, Mark Strong, Kyle Chandler, Edgar Ramirez, and James Gandolfini. It is written by Mark Boll, directed by Catherine Bigelow. And here to join me today for our first film in our 2012 retrospective, I have Lauren LaMagna. Hello, hello. We also have Josh Parham. Hello, hello. Dan Baer. I'm the motherfucker who found this place. And joining us as a guest here, returning to the podcast, is Charlie Bright from Gold Derby. Osama! And also joining us here today as a guest, first time on the podcast from Earth to Films, I have with me Nadia Dalamonte. Hello. Hello, hello. All right. Really, really excited to dive into this procedural thriller, a movie that really ignited a tremendous amount of talk upon its release in 2012 here. Uh, this also had a tremendous amount of anticipation, being that it was the follow-up film for Catherine Bigelow following her history-making Oscar win for Best Picture, Best Director, become the first female director to win the prize with The Hurt Locker. So a lot of eyeballs were on this. And of course, how the story was going to handle the assassination, the the, the search, really, like this, this really long uh, search for Osama bin Laden and how that was all going to play out. Of course, the film ended up taking on a life of its own due to controversy within Washington itself. 
And of course, this ended up impacting its award season run, which is something that we'll get into in a little bit. But I want to talk about the movie first and foremost, for obvious reasons, because I think there is a lot of interesting stuff to talk about with this one here. So to start us off, why don't we kick it over to one of our guests, Charlie Bright. Charlie, what do you think of Zero Dark Dirty? I remember when I first saw it and, you know, it was the the, the crazy the still the craziest thing to me is that that movie came out less than two years after the raid actually happened. It's probably close to a year and a half. That still blows my mind that they were able to write and, you know, put this all together beforehand. Um, I just I I love this movie. I think it is such an entertaining watch. There are all sorts of issues with it, absolutely. But on the whole, I think it's a really interesting movie. It's, uh, you know, I, I love the way it shows, you know, the meticulousness of gathering intelligence and having to cross-reference that with everything. And, of course, having to do that on this long a time scale for one, for the manhunt for one person is, like, unbelievable. And I just, I thoroughly enjoyed it. All right. Nadia. You're up. What did you think of Zero Dark Dirty? I think it's an incredible movie. I So basically, when it was first released, I had pretty high expectations, given that this was coming after The Hurt Locker, which I thought was really, really well done as well. And so I remember being very impressed by Catherine Bigelow's work at the time. So um, And then I hadn't seen Zero Dark Thirty since the time it came out until just recently. And so... With the rewatch, it really went beyond how good I remembered it being the first time. I was totally absorbed throughout. I thought Catherine Bigelow was such a great job at building tension and anticipation. I was at the edge of my seat a lot of the time. And I think the movie has a really strong, consistent tone throughout that felt thoroughly researched and um, really committed to truth. And on top of all that, Jessica Chastain gives such an incredible performance at the center, which it's still to this day my favorite performance performance of hers. So really, really great uh, movie. All right. Let's hear next from Dan Baer. So I remember seeing this in 2012 when it came out, and it was one of those things. I think it was like the last big movie, big Oscar movie to come out that year. And... When it did, it came out to this sort of avalanche of critical praise, and I was I was cautiously optimistic about it because I wasn't the biggest fan of The Heart Locker, but I thought it was good, and I was certainly ready for a thriller about the hunt for Osama bin Laden that was obviously something that was, you know, on the front of everyone's mind at the time. And I loved Jessica Chastain and the cast was huge. And I, the movie was, I'm not going to lie, a slight disappointment. Oh, okay. But I watched it again for the first time since then recently. And I think this was just a case of, the critical praise being so deafening that it it just raised my expectations for this too high. Um, Cause it is 
better than I remembered. And I think Jessica Justine's performance is even better than I remember. I remember being very unimpressed with it at the time. <laughs> um, but now I see it a little more clearly and without the lens of that year's award season, it stands um, much sturdier than I remember it being. I think there is like uh like you said, Nadia, a lot of well-built tension throughout the movie, even though we pretty much know how it ends. And it's really well-crafted for the most part. But I still have some issues. I don't think it's a masterpiece, but it's still really, really good. Okay, moving over next now to Lauren LaMagna. Um, I'm just going to start off by saying I'm pretty sure 2012 was the first Oscar season I was actively engaging with. I was watching every single film that came out. I was tracking award circuits and film festivals. So I was pretty deep into this award season. And I do remember this film being one of the last movies. I think Jessica Chastain even won the Golden Globe and the film wasn't even out nationwide yet. So... I was excited for this because I really did love Jessica Chastain and The Help, which was a year prior, like really close in between those two movies. Like this was her first big role since. And I, as a woman in the film, I love Catherine Bigelow. She was, we all put her up to a pedestal, but it's, I think films like this are really hard because you want to give its audience the information, but you also don't want to lecture them. You want to find this medium of entertaining instead of, this being a history class or a policy class or, you know, a public discourse class. And sometimes it does feel like I'm being lectured to, so it does lose me. I think the third act really picks in where Nadia says the tension is really built, but you totally feel how excruciatingly frustrating a manhunt at this scale is. So I do give Bigelow credit for that. I also think this is a very American film. I think war films about this time period made during this time period, like from 2008 to maybe like 2013, they're very interesting, like they're little time capsules on how Americans were viewing the war. So I think those criticisms are very much, you know, it's a film of its time. Not saying that it's good or bad per se, but I do think it has a very American lens to it. So it's interesting to see how we view it at that point in history versus how we view it today, which I think would have an interesting conversation. But I think it's an entertaining piece. Again, I'm like Dan, I don't think it's a total masterpiece. I think Jessica Chastain's performance does ground it and make it not seem as heavy as it could have been, especially in the first two acts where it does feel a little lecture-focused and lecture-heavy. All right, and now let's kick it over, finally, to Josh Parham. So I'm going to say that it's actually very interesting that we are starting our retrospective with this movie because at the time that this came out, I was definitely a part of the very high critical praise for it. And at that moment, it was my favorite movie of 2012. But I have not seen this movie, I think, since it came out. And so I was very excited but also a little nervous and anxious to revisit it because it had been so long and I was wondering if maybe my mentality about this movie would have changed at all and I think coming back to it now I would definitely still say that this is a pretty great movie overall I do think that 
The way that it is crafted is exceptional. I think Catherine Bigelow's direction is great. I think Mark Bowles' screenplay, as was said before, really shows the meticulous nature of gathering this information. I think it's so well done. The Jessica Chastain performance at the center is a really grounding nature to it. But like most procedurals, it does find itself being very lacking in character. And that is the nature of almost every procedural, even the best ones out there. We really don't get a great sense of character. And I think especially with Maya, played by Chastain, we get sort of like the very basic outline of her, but there's not too much else going on. And I know that's the point, but still from like an emotional perspective, I still feel a little bit at arm's length with it. And I think that in combination with what Lauren said earlier about kind of how this movie starts off kind of slow in the beginning and some of its commentary, I think, is not as sharp as it could be. I don't think I put it in the same level as I used to back in the day. So I still think it's a pretty great movie. Very, very well done. And I really do enjoy it. But it it is no longer in like the upper, upper threshold for me in terms of movies that have come out that year. It's still really good, but maybe not quite the best film of the year for me anymore. Hello. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. All right, so I'm glad that we have like a wide range of opinions here. Even though no one seems to be outright negative on this movie, there's definitely flaws to be discussed here. And it doesn't sound like we're going to be as tough on this movie as some politicians were in 2012 who never even saw the movie in the first place. So I'm thankful for that. Um, I will say that back in 2012, when I saw this for the first time, I was really blown away by what Catherine Bigelow and Mark Bowl had given us with this film. Uh, it wasn't my number one favorite film of that year, but it was sitting pretty comfortably in my top 10. 
I really love the procedural manhunt of this movie. I love seeing all of the resources and all of the different uh, what they call like tradecraft in this, like someone that's like trying to avoid detection, how then you have to figure out how to outmaneuver and outsmart that person in order to capture them or kill them or whatever it is that they're trying to do in this case. And I just found all that to be so riveting to follow because it is so highly detailed and so highly researched. You know, and then there's also a bit of fact played a bit with fiction here. I know that like the character of Maya, for example, is a fictitious character that's based on a few real life people, but they're kind of like combined all together to create uh, the single female character who's meant to be kind of our guide through this story. And to Josh's point, I do agree with him that the one element on this latest rewatch for me that did hurt the movie overall, because I do think it is technically well made. It's shot so incredibly well. It's edited so well. The story unfolds in a manner where you really do sense and get a sense of the frustration um, and also, too, how arduous this entire manhunt ultimately was and the toll it took on everybody. But even though I do think Chastain gives a really good performance in this, and I do like the supporting cast here, um, some of them show up more than others, there is a lack of character. There is also a lack of some sort of emotional through line with this. Even at the end of the movie where there's this cathartic release from Maya after what has just happened... I still sometimes leave this movie feeling empty and cold. And I don't know if that is necessarily the intention, because in that moment when she is sitting on that plane at the end and she's, you know, sheds that tear and she's letting out that sigh of relief. I do believe it is supposed to be emotionally cathartic, but it's also a mixture of this feeling of emptiness, hollowness and like, where do we go from here? And I think that as an audience member, I always feel that way, too, after watching Zero Dark Thirty. There's such an emotional investment into this two and a half hour long procedural that by the end, you're exhausted and there's this payoff. But it does leave you, you know, leave you a little, a little hollow, I think. And once again, even if that's by design, I can't help but feel that that is something that both works in the movie's favor and also is a detriment at the same time. I like it more on a conceptual level, I think, as in a, like, Maya is a stand-in for America <laughs> or the American people and that, like, we were just, we were on this. We got to find this guy. We got to hunt him down. We got to, you know, take him out and then once it's done it's like well fuck good we we did that now 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 what do we do exactly because like what what have we what have we changed yeah and how do we move on after that this has become our identity for so it's, many it's, years for a decade it's how we feel at the end of every oscar season <laughs> it's true <laughs> very true oh man so true Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of our nearly two hour long review for Zero Dark Thirty, part of our 2012 retrospective here on the Next Best Picture podcast. In order to get the full review, you will have to head on over to Next Best Picture's Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get the rest of this review and other exclusive podcast content from us as well. 
You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.